people who use water, people who have property, have a water right potentially here in Whatcom County, or maybe they're unsure about where their water right stands. Any of you folks need to be paying attention to this case down in Southwest Washington that continues to unfold. It's Busy Farms. Bill Zimmerman, we had him on the program here. I'll say it was about a year ago. Uh, that story continues to unfold. A farm uh, down in Clark County uh, in, in, near Vancouver, Washington, is in a lot of trouble. Um, and it has to do with water. When I say in a lot of trouble, I don't necessarily mean, oh, they've done something terrible, at least not in my estimation, but the State Department of Ecology has ordered them to stop irrigating or risk fines of up to $5,000 per day. This reporting is in the Capitol Press. Don Jenkins uh, covering this in the last couple of weeks. Anybody in Whatcom County who's concerned about the future of farming, uh, who has a water right or who has farm ground with maybe unclear water rights needs to be paying attention to what's happening down uh, in uh, and near Vancouver with Bill Zimmerman. This is The Farming Show. I'm Dylan Honkoop here on, on KGMI. Uh, and joining us this morning is a water rights expert and attorney, uh, works with the, uh, the Ag Water Board and the, the Watershed Improvement Districts here in Whatcom County, as well as multiple other entities. Bill Clark uh, is on the phone with us this morning. Bill, thanks for being here. V- Bill is very plugged in down in Olympia, not only on the legal side, but also... Um, on the political side, what, what the future is for water and a lot of different regions, including Whatcom County, where he does a lot of work. He's been very involved in what's happening with this water rights adjudication um, and helping guide where that goes and also informing those of us here who it's going to directly impact uh, what we should be doing, what we need to know about it. Um Bill, thanks for taking the time to chat with us this morning. Talk about Bill Zimmerman down in Vancouver real quick. This guy is facing a bad situation, and he says that the upshot is either he keeps farming one way or the other, or he could subdivide his property and start the development process there on his farmland that's been in his family for well over 100 years. What, what's going on here? Yeah, thanks, Dylan. Thanks for having me on the show. Um the Zimmerman issue has been around for a number of years. I think you covered it, I think, previously. Yeah. And it's a situation that I think a number of farms can find themselves in, even if they've farmed their land through their family back into the 1800s in that, you know, water use that predated even the water code when it was adopted in 1917 for surface water, 1945 for groundwater, that early water use farmers had to submit what's called a water right claim to the state by the late 1970s. And clearly there was irrigation um, at the Zimmerman property. And it, and it sounds like they just did not submit that claim form. And so now, even though they've been farming that land through their family through, since the 1890s, they don't have any legal water right that's been submitted to the state. So, you know, the Zimmerman farm, it fa- sounds like it's faced with this situation where while they don't have water for farming, they would have water available if they subdivided the land and drilled individual exempt wells for rural development 
because under our state law, uh, domestic use, meaning for residential purposes, up to 5,000 gallons per day is exempt from needing a water right permit from the state. So, so that, you're that's telling me that there is a way to get water rights for development, but there is no way for a farm that's in this situation, not, not a new farm. It's been there for over a, since the 1800s. And they've been irrigating and doing farming things all along, but there is no way for them to get a legal water right to continue what, doing what they're doing. But there is for houses. Yeah, he's it, their property is in an area that's a basin that's closed by Department of Ecology to issuing new water rights for irrigation, similar to how the Nooksack Basin is closed to new water rights for irrigation. Um, Theoretically, you could find a water right and buy it and transfer it. But if you're in an area where he's at, where there's not a lot of other water rights around, buying and transferring a water right has not been a viable option. The other option would be, you know, getting water from a city or from like the PUD down there. But, you know, paying that level of cost for basically, you know, drinking water to irrigate your farm is just not a cost effective option. So the, the, the idea of getting a water right for that property has just not become an option down there. You say it's a closed basin. That's the same for the Nooksack Basin, right? Correct. Yeah. And so under the rule that Department of Ecology adopted in 1985, it's, the basin is considered closed to new water rights. There's some You can get water rights that, are, that can be issued, but you can't use the water when the minimum flow in the Nooksack River drops below the adopted in-stream flow level, which typically happens every summer. And so people need their water rights for irrigation in the summer. So it's functionally closed for, for new water rights. So somebody like Bill Zimmerman doesn't really have any options at this point. It doesn't look like it. No. And I know they've, you know, put a fair amount of effort into figuring out some sort of solution because it's a really interesting, you know, well-loved, well-supported local farm and they just can't find a water right for it. And again, the irony there is there is water available under the water code if they subdivide and build housing because that type of domestic use for rural housing is exempt from needing a permit. That's the same in the Nooksack Basin too. Upside down. If you look at the big picture and what our goals are as a community uh, and through this larger region, what, what people want to see happen in terms of maintaining rural character, maintaining local food and farming, uh, protecting watersheds, um, and again, we're talking with Bill Clark right now. Uh, he is a water rights uh, expert and attorney based in Olympia. Uh, that's that's what our big fear is, right, Bill? I mean, that, that's what the experts are saying is the biggest problem facing our basins and our streams and our, our fish is rural development. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. A lot of the, whether it's um, in the Puget Sound area, there's an agency called Puget Sound Partnership. And at the state level, there's a statewide salmon recovery strategy. You know, the the number one issue uh, that's that's been a problem for salmon recovery is kind of urbanization and kind of suburban sprawl. And the irony now is that the water rights situation allows that type of suburban sprawl in areas where you're trying to preserve farmland or forest land. So that's that's the irony you're pointing to. And this is thanks to the quote-unquote Hearst fix? I mean, yeah, legally, the, how did that yeah. play out? Yeah, so part of it was the Hearst case that came out of Whatcom County mm-hmm. that where originally the case was a growth management hearings board case that 
that asserted that the county, Whatcom County, had to review all new wells for impairment. And typically that's always been something that Department of Ecology does because Department of Ecology administers the water code. And the Supreme Court agreed that under the Growth Management Act, county, cities and counties had that type of authority or, or responsibility to review water rights, including new wells. Functionally, that shut down new wells throughout the state. And then the legislature took the issue up and, in essence, reversed the Hearst decision and said, no, ecology adopts the rules and cities and counties have to follow those rules. And so then ecology um, amended a number of those in-stream flow rules around the state, including the one for the Nooksack Basin. So there's now a 500-gallon per day allowance for new domestic wells. So under that amendment to the Nooksack rule, if you had a, a Zimmerman-type situation in Whatcom County where there was a farm that was found to not have any water rights, they wouldn't have water rights for irrigation, but they could subdivide that farm and build housing. What an upside down, you know, perverse incentive to do exactly what I think the farming community doesn't want to see. And I think a lot of other folks don't want to see as well. Uh, people who care about streams and about salmon don't want to see more pavement, more homes in rural areas, in the watersheds. Um, it's, it's crazy to think about, um, and I guess we should, and by the way, this is a farming show. I'm Dylan Honkoop here on KGMI. We're talking with Bill Zimmer, or Bill, not Bill Zimmer. We're talking about Bill Zimmerman's case. We're talking with Bill Clark, a water expert here in Washington State, uh, who's deeply involved with this overall situation and specifically what's happening here in Whatcom County as well. Um Bill, what, just for a moment here, we should update folks on, you know, what is the, the situation with so-called exempt wells, these wells that, that you just mentioned under Hearst? Now, older exempt wells from before the Hearst case were grandfathered in, right? And then there Correct. are Hearst fix wells, and, and the older ones had, back in the day, the, the rule was 5,000 gallons a day, right? Right. Yep, that's right. So... Prior to, I believe, 2020 was when the new rules were implemented. Wells prior to that were just subject to the statutory 5,000-gallon limit. And, you know, most a single house doesn't typically use 5,000 gallons per day. It may be 1,000 gallons per day. After the Hearst rule was implemented within the Nooksack Basin, the limit is now 500. And, you know, the, the, the interesting thing is all of those wells, whether it's a newer exempt well or old example for a house or for any sort of out, outdoor use you can also in the older wells irrigate uh, up to a half acre non-commercial lawn or garden all of those wells are going to be pulled into the water rights adjudication that is a court case a lawsuit that department of ecology is expected to file in maybe april of next year within whatcom county superior court so those water rates will actually be quantified through a court process that will start in 2024, it probably will play out over decades, but it'll include whether it's small exempt wells or everything up to the biggest agricultural and municipal water rights. So folks who have a home in a rural area that are not served by municipal water or a water association, they have their own private well, which, as you're explaining here, uh, uh, an exempt well, quote unquote, it does not mean the well is exempt from having a water right. It, it is a water right, but it is exempt from having to file 
for a water right. Am I describing that yeah. correctly? Yeah, the distinction is what it's exempt from is having to get a permit from the state, right? So to have an exempt well, which can be singular group domestic, uh, half acre, non-commercial lawn or garden, industrial use up to 5,000 gallons per day or stock water, it's exempt from having to get a permit. So to use that type of well, you don't file a permit application and wait for an affirmative approval from Department of Ecology. You can just use that quantity of water exempt from permitting. But that water that you use is like a water right. It does have a priority date. It is subject to quantification through the water rights adjudication that will start sometime next year. And so whether it's whether you're a small water user or a big water user, everybody needs to be aware of this case and, and how to participate in it to make sure you you protect your water right. Well, that's something that I think a lot of local folks are, are recently, you know, more people are, are cluing into, oh my goodness, I, you know, this is going to affect me, this situation that, that's moving forward. Albeit slowly, uh, but this this water rights adjudication situation, this is going to affect a lot more people than uh, I think and understood that it was going to affect them initially. And uh, those people are tuning in, and, and that's good. Uh, you know, there's a recent meeting in Ferndale. A lot of people. Um, I think that was an eye opener for them. What, what do folks in that situation need to be thinking about and doing right now? Well, I think a few things, you know, one is um, this case that would be filed by Department of Ecology is the first time in Washington state that exempt wells, meaning people's household wells, would have to be quantified through a court process. Department of Ecology has described having, I think, a simplified process for homeowners where where the requirements to prove and show their water use would be different than larger water uses, right? Different than a city, different than a PUD or or a large irrigator. So I think conceptually there will be a simplified process for homeowners for that level of water use, but they still need to participate. It's the same kind of, you know, issue as, as the Zimmerman farm that, you know, they should have filed a water claim probably decades ago and they didn't. Similarly, people in the Nooksack Basin need to be aware of what's going on with this water rights adjudication. So even if you have a simplified process to protect whatever water use you have for your house, you can do that under the deadlines that will be established by the court. It's uh, it's an intimidating process ahead. Uh, and people are rightfully uh, concerned about what's going to happen. You know, what's, what's the hope for folks here who don't, you know, it, people in a similar situation, you know, I've heard recently about a, a piece of farm ground that a local farmer I know is, is farming, doesn't own it, but they're renting it. But the, the owner is aware of this as well. The, the ground is being farmed, but doesn't have a legal water right for irrigation that it would need to be to, to be secure into the future. That same piece of ground has the zoning for development it, it it's zoned r5 for you know rural five acre plots that it could be subdivided and put a bunch of you know several homes on it and those as we're describing earlier those could get water rights essentially uh, through exempt wells for each home but there is zero water that it can get as as a f- piece of farm ground right now 
Um, so what what is the farmer and the landowner supposed to, what are they supposed to do? What is the hope for folks in that situation? I know there's a lot of stories like that around here in the Nooksack Basin. Yeah, and I think, you know, especially agricultural water rights have a really, you know, complex and somewhat twisted history within the Nooksack Basin. You know, some people have water rights that have been issued by the state. Others have filed water rate claims that will be quantified during the adjudication. Other people have just filed an application for water rights, um, and that application is just sitting in a line waiting to be processed. Whether or not those water rights can even be approved remains to be seen. Um, but like you said, I think the the adjudication, I think, will force people to make some business decisions on do they proceed through the adjudication process, which is a court case that is can be very complex. And so a lot of people will need water rate consultants or attorneys to evaluate the validity of their water rights or can their application be approved. If you're a, you know, 75-year-old farmer and you're at a point in your life where it's like, I don't know if I have, you know, the the funds available to hire the consultants and the attorneys I need and you have five acre zoning, the business decision might in fact be stop farming, rely on the five acre subdivision, build a number of houses relying on that guarantee of 500 gallons per day for housing. Mm. And then you don't, you don't participate in the adjudication. You just file an adjudication for those exempt wells. But since there's no irrigation, then the farm goes away. I think it's going to, the adjudication will force that decision for some people. That's, I, that's what I know we're going to see. And we're going to see way more of it um, soon as people start doing the math here on, on what they're up against in the situation. And it's not going to be good. Um, but in this situation where a farmer or a landowner makes that decision, and that's not what we want to see as a community, you know, farms going out of business a and b the land that was the farm being turned into houses and pavement then i think most people again agree that it's not good but then can you really see the the person the landowner the farmer in that case being the bad guy you know and i think that's the perception oh why are people developing their property someone in that situation who cannot continue to farm because they can't there's no legal pathway for them to get the water that they need to continue i mean how can you blame somebody like that um they are between a rock and a hard place yeah no it's fundamentally an economic decision that will be driven by the adjudication the one you know the one um i guess potential bright spot if there is one is you know there's a while the adjudication will be filed by ecology and it will be a you know it'll be a slow moving process because it's a super complicated court process it will have you know literally thousands of thousands of parties to the lawsuit meaning anybody who has a water right anybody who has their own well with their exempt use would be a party to the lawsuit the trend in a lot of western states that have these types of water rights adjudications is to also pursue some sort of settlement agreement which has been successful in some other states and in doing so you part of the reason for doing an adjudication is to quantify the most senior water rights in the mm -hmm. basin which are those that belong to treaty tribes and so the lummi nation and the nooksack tribe have water rights that are based on their treaties the federal settlement process works to quantify those water rights that belong to the tribes 
And at the same time, a lot of the settlement agreements include significant amounts of infrastructure and funding for water supply projects, both to support and satisfy tribal in-stream flow needs and on-reservation needs, but also water supply needs for the basin, whether it's for mm -hmm. cities, whether it's for farming. And so it can be, you know, water supply pipelines and storage and other infrastructure kind of uses. It's increasingly common for states to pursue those types of settlements of their adjudications um, because that will bring actual solutions as opposed to just quantifying water rates and then finding out yeah. who's going to close down their farm because they don't have water. Yeah, we need to bring new water into the system and, and do this differently. That's what we've been calling for here. We've been talking about that for a long time here on the show. We continue to call for that. Bill Clark, a water rights expert attorney uh, down in Olympia. Thank you for your time on the program and thanks for all the good work that you're doing down there. Thanks, Dylan. Yeah, stay in touch and thanks for having me on the show.